one of millions of people throughout the world who are affected by addiction. It's a disease that touches individuals and everybody in their lives. Welcome to Shattering the Stigma with Mama Dukes and Son Frankie. This is a whole person and whole family issue and needs to be tackled together in order to successfully beat this. Now, here's Mama Dukes and Frankie. What's up, everybody? It's Frankie and Mama Dukes from Buck Heroin Foundation. Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. And uh, we're back again this week to... Uh, Talk about shattering the stigma of addiction and all the shame that goes with it. Uh, we've got a couple special guests today. Uh, we have our, our friend Alex from Bright Futures Treatment Center. Uh, is going to be with us. He's alumni coordinator. He's going to talk about uh, some things like the significance of uh, the alumni and uh, why it's good to have an alumni program for a treatment center and what goes on after treatment. Uh, we also got uh, Chris Bobble Henselman. From recovering artists worldwide a couple weeks ago we had joe nestor uh this week we got bubble who is the uh producer manager and uh just about what else you do chris booking agent marketing <laughs> everything what don't you do is that a better question <laughs> uh there's nothing i don't do actually <laughs> but because uh, even though uh the ceo does finances i still do that too so yeah, every time I see you, man, you're like running around like a chicken with your head cut off, man, just trying to keep up on everything, kind of like us. But um, so what made you guys come up, uh, decide to start the label, Chris? Um, so let's see. God, what are we, seven, eight months into this now? Um, the, the label was an idea about, I would say, a year and three months ago, and you know, it came down to a decision of, do I do a solo career again where I know I can make money for myself and be selfish and take care of myself? Or do I help other artists that are in recovery because there's so much talent in recovery that, you know, a label was started and, you know, I made the decision to not be selfish for once. <laughs> um, and Raw was created, you know what I mean? We sat down, uh, me and Sam, we went and talked to... You know, there's an investor behind the scenes that helped start a little bit of it. And, um, you know, the label was started, you know what I mean? Because there's no one out there, in a music sense, at least spreading a positive recovery message. No one really giving addicts a voice. He's dedicating fully to it, maybe a couple songs here and there. You know, one thing that I love is that, you know, whenever you guys are performing, you, you give a story and talk about the meaning of that, uh, you know, why you wrote it, what you were going through, what was going on in your life. Um, what would you say out of, you know, highlight a couple of the songs and how you were feeling and how you've grown? So, you know, a big reason, well, I'll just explain why we do that, um, and then I'll answer that for you. We do that because we just go to somewhere and play songs and they don't know the music. You know, even though they know we're a recovery label, they might not necessarily hear the message. But when we break it down, I don't want to understand that we're addicts too. But a lot of times, just like therapists, sometimes that aren't addicts themselves. You know, people shut them down because they're like, "How do you know how I feel?" So when we explain it, they automatically uh, relate to us. So if you talk 
I'm, I'm highlighting a couple of songs, at least for me. Um, my single that was out. Great. Um, it was actually the first one I ever wrote for this EP, Live Free or OD. And it's probably the most personal song for me, too. Um, I know for many years, especially when I'm in addiction, even when I'm clean in the beginning, all the problems I had, I blamed on everyone else. Not one of them. And Sound familiar? Yeah, that's the problem. There's no solution. Like. I don't know about you, Chris, but when I was out doing my thing, man, uh, it was always the courts or, you know, the the halfway house or the early curfew. It was everyone else's problem but my problem, man. And, you know, for, for me, once I accepted uh, that if I wasn't the problem, there is no solution, I started being open-minded um, for your own recovery. Um, I mean, I go to the meetings. I, I really talked to my sponsor on some sponsorship meeting where it's a closed meeting with our, my sponsorship's very big there's like 30 of us or 40 of us now yeah, you guys got an army man yeah uh, I mean, it's crazy I, I actually had the least clean time they were my supports last time and now they all stayed clean and I went back out so now, now uh, I think and two other guys all of them have like above five years Nice. so it's a really powerful group um, I just try to remain grateful, man. Um, I, I, I call people and make sure everything I do now is for a positive influence, which helps me stay in the middle. Um, because sometimes in business you can get the other way with it a little bit. So, um, but I mean, that's really what I do for myself. Um, you know, if you go back to when it rain things too, it's just, you know, as you just start it's just I know a lot of times I felt trying oh, yeah. and uh when I got clean I, I was put into my head accountability when I finally realized everything that went wrong just something to make it go wrong so you know um one of the things that we've had the privilege of doing quite a bit of the tour with you and um it's just always so amazing to see people come in and not know what to expect and then you just kind of see that guard go down because they feel at home and they can relate to what's going on and they're getting a positive message. Um, one of the songs that, you know, I, I don't know the name of it, but I would sing or everyone would um, probably disconnect from the show if I tried to do that, but it's the one where um, she keeps getting in your face like, it's not like you're an addict. You yeah, know, this explain time. that. That's really deep. It's a deep song. Um, this time it's actually it's a song from an artist that's no longer with the label, but I was a feature on it, and we do it. Um, you know, it's a very powerful song because when we wrote it, I remember writing it with her, and uh, it was how how does your addiction speak to you? You know, because a lot of people who aren't addicts don't understand that. Like the crazy, at least me, I still get crazy thoughts like literally every day um and it's like it's a song about your disease you know you over here in the rooms they say your disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups i don't know about you man my disease stays in my head shooting steroids though man <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so it's like a song that's really cool interaction because it's back and forth you know you hear songs it's just one person and another person takes over the song is playing back and forth, and usually, you know, we whoever's on stage with me doing it, we, we play back and forth because it sells it more of the image of it. And we use the girl for it because, 
you know, no offense to any ladies, but <laughs> girls are driving, uh, manipulating like the disease. It it pulls you in. You know what I mean? Um, it's a really I, I, that song is like a fan favorite song because everywhere we go, whether they heard it before or not, usually by the second hook, everyone's singing, singing it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what it's I was real easy say. to relate to too, man. Um, what's your what's your favorite song to perform, man? Uh, um, off of your EP, man. Um, oof. it has to be. Depends what type of mood I'm in, though. Like if it, I'm gonna curse, you said right? Yeah. Like if I'm in like one of those moods where I just got a bunch of haters that day, I love going go down. Yeah. It's because that's my song. I'm just like, fuck you. Like I'm getting <laughs> most of the time because I like credit interaction and hitting people hard with something. God, you're gonna make me narrow down to one. <laughs> I mean, it has to be. Release me or this girl? If you got this girl, that's like a funny side. Yeah, this girl is fun, man. We got to do the video for that, man, and uh, got to be in it, man. That was a good time, man. Tell them, tell them where they can find that video at, man. Uh, if you go to YouTube and you type in "Recovering Artists Worldwide," that's the label's channel. You'll find it. You go to Facebook, "Recovering Artists Worldwide." You can um, it's on there. We have the videos on both. Uh, if you want to go buy it and support me, you can go to. Amazon, iTunes, or over 250 stores worldwide. Just type in Bobble, Live Free, or ODEP. Um, and that money goes towards a good, good cause, too. It's just not money in the pocket. Yeah, no, we, we do, you know, it's it's been few and far between, but there are people that, you know, reach out to us. And we work with certain facilities where, you know, sometimes we'll help a little bit and we donate some of the money to help some people out. Um, so, yeah, it's not like it's all in our pockets. Um, I don't know. It's just, that song's so funny live, because that's the one I run up to all the girls and like they laugh because they're like I've had so many come up to me after, and like oh my god, times the guy spit me that line. Um, <laughs> and release me is the one that I think everyone relates to to the to the lyrics hard. Um, every show I do, I, I usually have like ten people come up to me after and like yo those verses like a hundred percent. I've been there, and that's why I like doing yeah. this. Instead of I mean, um, when I can touch someone's soul with a lyric, that's as a musician. Like, cool. I've known you for a while, and I know I know some of your old music, man, and some of your old videos, bro. And uh, not just transformation in your everyday life, but to actually see it in your music too, man. Um, at what point did you realize that uh, you wanted to start spreading a different message other than? Because uh, you know, I write, I write a little bit and mess around a little bit myself man and it's I was able to stop writing and rapping about the life that i used to live and now i can write about how i'm living today um what when did that uh when did that come to you bro uh, this is a simple answer when i relapsed because of music <laughs> <laughs> um the negative stuff uh because all because i was still in my little like oh i'm a gangster phase tough guy phase da, 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 doing that stuff and then being in around those type of people touring with big artists that, by the way, is not, that's a fake act they all put on, by the way. But, you know, being around, it's really their boys are the ones who put off that rear entourage. Yeah. And um, just being negative, I relapse. So I'm not going to say it's all because of it, but a big part of it is old behaviors. Um, and I know this time I waited until I had a year clean to, um, I waited until I had a year clean to start music again. Because I was scared to relapse, and then I started to realize, like, 
why am I going to spread the negative message? You know what I mean? Because uh, like one, of, I think your favorite songs by me is "When Music Is My Friend." Uh, that and then "Living for Today" too, man. You know, because that's what that's what we do. Well, it's all that's what that song is all about. Is our music? Yeah, I believe in this so much it led me. So I. I a lot of times musicians don't understand the impact we have on the So why am I going to keep spreading that? You know what I mean? So I just made a decision one day. I'm like, you know, when we started Raw, it's all positive. No, I mean, I, I could testify to that. I think when I was about 13, 14 years old, and uh, my mom can uh, testify to this as well, too. I thought I was Master P, man. You know what I mean? I, I walk around screaming, ah! <laughs> trying, to, trying to sell dope, and I didn't even know what the hell selling dope was. I just nah, knew how to nah, smoke nah. it, you know? <laughs> Can we talk about Freestyle Friday? Freestyle Absolutely. Friday. I look forward to it every week. Yeah, um, it's just something I do for myself, man. I, you know, I write, I write every week, spend a little bit of time making little, little videos, shit like that about myself. It's just, uh, it's a good outlet for me, man. You know, no matter where I'm at for the, for the whole week, once I get to Friday, you know, most people uh, that are most normal people or people that are able to, you know, that go out and uh, hit the bars or whatever they do on the weekend me i like to take a little bit of time to write man what about you when do you uh when do you take your time to write when i'm angry <laughs> it's a good time man it's instead of time. going and doing something stupid i put pen to paper you know one thing that that sticks out to me frankie was always um when he was going through his struggles he always seemed to have this hang up thinking that it wasn't going to be able to be fun to be sober and he was going to lose that talent of the writing and the uh that image that that we think is cool or yeah. that you know you thought was cool and um <coughs> i mean i think it's so beautiful to see that people get it and can take that message and see that there is fun in sobriety it, it's very hard to see there's fun in the beginning you know what i mean because think about it, how long do you use for about 17 years, man. So you're a lot more than me. Yeah. I, I only used it the first time I came around for like five years. And um, I just didn't know without drugs or alcohol that I couldn't have fun. And it helped with that facade of that tough man gangster I put on for so many years to, to mask it and keep it up. So when I came around, I thought that's how I had to still be. And without drugs, it was hard to keep up the facade. Yeah, yeah, you know I feel I mean? that. Absolutely. Um, but recovery is great. I get more belly laughs than I ever had, like genuine like, Real laughs. laughs. Yeah. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break, um, and then we're going to have Alex when we come back, and then we'll finish up a little bit more with the interview with Bobble. So be back soon. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you're busy, stressed, and can't ever seem to find the time to add in those new healthy habits, you need to check out Lisa Lutan's Busy, Stressed, and Food-Obsessed show. This program will help you discover easy ways to improve your health and happiness. Plus, you will pick up all sorts of tips on better eating, fitness, relationships, how to manage stress, and a lot more. You'll feel yourself becoming healthier just by tuning in. Listen live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. 
Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are tuned into Shattering the Stigma with Frankie and Mama Dukes. Reach out to us on the show today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also drop us a line at Leisha1120 at gmail.com. That's L-E-S-H-A-1120 at gmail.com. Now, back to Shattering the Stigma. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back. It's Frankie and Mama Dukes. Hey, guys. And uh, we're here at Shattering the Stigma, uh, live, uh, Voice America, Fuck Heroin Foundation. Uh, Just got done talking a little bit with Bobble from Recovering Artists Worldwide. Um, Our next guest, Alex Alonzo, is uh, from Bright Futures Treatment Center. He's the alumni coordinator, and I believe he's on the line with us now. You there, Alex? I'm here, guys. How you doing? What's up, man? How you doing, Alex? I'm doing great on the way home from work. Nice. Nice. Right on, man. So um, you've been with Bright Futures for a little bit, man. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we love about you guys. The fact that, you know, you're, you're gender-based, male-only population, um, you know, and the fact that you guys keep your group small and other things like that, man. But you've been there for a little while, man. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, – well, first off, how about if you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working in the, working in the treatment industry? Um, the way I ended up working in the treatment industry is kind of like a lot of other people actually. Well, you know, you kind of start off in sobriety not knowing where it's going to take you. Um, you know, and then you find out pretty early in sobriety that helping people feels good. And uh, that's kind of what you want to do in your career path. Um, so, you know, a little bit about me. I mean, heroin addict, speed balls is my thing. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, at an early age, um, my God-given abilities could take me where my character couldn't keep me. And uh, I excelled on the sport field. And outside that... Um, you know, doing started off with 30s and and uh, you know, progressed to heroin. I mean, that's pretty much you know the uh, the war story of it. But I mean, it ended up bringing me to Florida, in and out of treatment, in and out of treatment, and so finally, you know, I, I ended up doing a little bit of time and and uh, having that kind of come to Jesus moment, where it's like, you know, I'm either going to get this and and you know move forward with my life, or or it's going to take my life. Um, you know, and I, I kind of got into a treatment facility. Um, it was kind of a scholarship scenario. And, like, a lot of stuff in my life, man, is, it's, uh, I'm always uh, 100% and, uh, or nothing. And this, this last time, I knew I had to give it everything that I had. And um, so the first time in my life, out of seven times, I completed a treatment facility. And I was part of something. Since I graduated high school, it was the first time I was an alumni of something. And uh, I'm not used to treatment facilities telling me, you know, we want you back and, and come back and speak and come back and help the newcomer. Yeah, I wasn't um, used to anybody exactly. telling me they wanted me back when I was out there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Especially, especially treatment centers, man. You know, and uh, you know, I get to this one and I give it everything I got, and I listen in groups and I take the groups hostages, and, and, and you know, when no one else is taking it seriously, and um, you know, it's like I, I wanted to give back, 
And uh, it was like the first thing that, that self-worth, man. It was like, you know, I went in there and someone looked at you like, yeah, here's an alumni of the program. And, and it was just so attractive to me. And, um, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. And so, I mean, I got into this field and I got into where I'm at by being an alumni of a program. I mean, straight up, that's exactly how I entered into the field. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you actually spoke a little bit about, you know, how being alumni uh, brought you into all this. Because that's actually one of the next things we wanted to talk to you about, man. I know you're the uh, the alumni coordinator there, amongst many other titles at Bright Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bright Futures, mm-hmm. it seems like kind of like you're a jack of all trades there. Um, I always okay. notice you're doing something when we're in there, man. But um, can you tell us a little bit about the significance of alumni and why it's uh, why it's important to keep people interacting with each other as well as the treatment center interacting with uh, you know, the patients after they have left? Absolutely. And, and I mean, there's, there's two sides of that, you know, there's two sides of one being a client and, and, you know, and, you know, a patient and going through something and being an alumni and the other side is like what it does for the treatment center. And what it does is the two sides of that is you know, as a treatment center, we want to be there, you know, when you slip up and catch you and, you know, pick you back up and we want to promote the ones that are doing well, you know, like, look at this guy, look what he did. He turned his life around. And, you know, it's great to tell you that I, you know, I'm an alumni of a facility and, and, you know, like anybody that ever needs help or anybody that's ever in a scenario, it goes straight to, you know, like AA, and success for an AA, and um, I worked my steps when I got out. But it helped me, it kept me plugged in. And, um, you know, it, it, with the other alumni, honestly, it's, it's like someone picking up a, you know, 60-day chip or, you know, a year chip or a medallion. Um, if they didn't do it, I wouldn't think I could have done it. And so, you know, the significance of it to the program is, you know, it kind of gives the newcomer hope, you know, just like it does in, in the rooms. And Wouldn't you also that, say that if someone is slipping up, they're a little less scared to open up and get right back in there for help and get back on their feet as opposed to feeling alone? They belong to a, you know, to a family now. Absolutely. That's, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because majority of the time I use my alumni network, my alumni family, right, like, you know, what I would call it, is those people to hold the others accountable if somebody is slipping up more than likely it's going to be the people around them that let you know and that let them know that, like, we're going to call on your behalf, you know, or, or we're going to call you out when, when we need you to, you know, and it's kind of like surrounding yourself. You know, my, my mom used to tell me I was young, you know, Alex, like, surround yourself with the people you want to be with and, um, you know, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. And you surround yourself with the right people that are doing well. It's like today I, I live with three people that I went to treatment with, you know, I'm three and a half years sober. That's awesome. Well, how would you say that um, your life still continues to improve daily, I'm sure, the, the longer you go on sober? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a daily struggle as well, you know. I mean, learning how to deal with the ups and downs of life. But, I mean, I, I've been through enough to know that there's nothing that's going to lead me back, you know. To a relapse, there's not, nothing's going to come out of it. There's nothing positive that's going to come out of that. You know, and all I can do to be there is, is be the support for the people that I do. So... If um, someone wanted to reach out and needed help, how how and who would they contact? Absolutely. I mean, they could call our 1-800 number. It's uh, 844-SOBER-00. Again, that's 844-SOBER-00. Um, you know, anybody in our admissions department will reach out all day. And the cool thing about our admissions department is, yeah, we're, we're male only, but we can help anybody in any scenario. Um, I mean, whether you have, you know, Medicaid or Medicare or, you know, you're looking to talk to somebody, um, or you're, you know, thinking about moving into a facility or changing. Um, we're not just only for, you know, all males in South Florida. We can help anybody in any scenario. Also, would you, um, would you say that a lot of times um, 
when you're working with people, they get to know you and they, because of the closeness and the close knit of what's going on there with your facility, that you you get a little bit of a different bond when it's all males. Do you want to speak a little bit on? Oh my on, gosh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, that's that's like a, you know, going back to even growing up, like getting an argument with my sister, getting an argument with my brother. You know, it's like I got to go completely two ways about that and the way I approach it. And um, you know, and, and it's being a being an all male facility. I mean, we remove it. You know, the the females out of it, or females out of the equation. And, you know, like, kind of keeping your eye on the prize and, and sticking with the people who are uh, just saying, hey, you know, it's like, um, you know, you, you stick with the people that are going to help you get through it and, uh, like, you know, stay out of a relationship for about a year, you know. And, and someone told me earlier in recovery, Alex, if somebody sees you, sees something in you right now, right, you better run from them because they're sicker than you are. And, uh, you know, you need to get well first. So, you know, it's um, the bond that you build with these guys is, uh, you know, like, I, I don't pretend that just because I work at a treatment facility that I'm any different than them. I mean, if you stick, you know, sticking my arm out, I'm that far away from a drink or a drug every day. I just have a few more days under my belt. So let them know. I mean, the bond that we have is once they graduate the program, I need you guys in my support group just as much, just as much as you need me. You know, and there's there's no difference between you and I other than a few days. You know, one day my hope is is that you sit in the chair next to me and you tell your story to the new guys in treatment. And you Absolutely. know, like I hope you take my job one day. You know, you know the the name of the show, shattering the stigma. Um, can you speak on that a little bit of the stigma you see, and you know how it makes people feel, and and different things that you've noticed. Um, as far as uh, you know, what what aspect of it? Well, basically, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are against uh, you know, Narcan or Vivitrol or Naloxin. Um, Saying people just need to die. They're you know. A junkie, like, what is that? What yeah, is and, speak on how that makes a person feel? Oh my gosh, yeah, that, that, that's the worst, and and I that's part of the you know part of the problem too is is getting that in other people's heads, you know, and like uh, you know, I knew that once I accepted that I was a junkie, that is bad, you know, and and it happens, you know, like you you go through phases, and you know, when you're using, and it's like all of a sudden when when all else fails, and you look at yourself, and the bar is just so low, and you're just like, you know what, I'm a junkie. No one expects anything out of me. I don't deserve anything. And, and it was all because that's kind of what, let's say, society or, like, the recovery community or the people not understanding told me, you know, until it was, like, somebody that, you know, kind of picked me up and told me that I am worth it and that I do need this and that there is things that help you. I think there, there's, a, you know, a little bit of a stigma out there that, you know, that you don't need to be on meds or you don't need to be on, you know, psych meds or you don't need to have Vivitrol or Naloxone. Those are all things that help you get through your first year, you know, and that, that was things like, you know, Alex, hold on. That's, that's all we need to know, hold on. And, and those are the things that kind of safeguard you. I mean, thank God that we have some of those things that we had today. That wasn't out there, you know, 10 years ago. There was Suboxone and pretty much methadone. The Naloxone and, uh, you know, the, the Narcan and all that stuff wasn't out there. And, no. um, you know, you never know. If, if you don't save another life, I mean, those people are the ones that go out there and do the worst, you know, and, and try to help these people get off the streets. Yeah, especially with Narcan, man. You know, what really pisses me off is, um, you know, people people get so much, like so angry about Narcan being available for free in certain counties and stuff like that and saying that, you know, the taxpayer's dollar can go to something other than bringing these uh, quote-unquote junkies back to life, you know. Like, what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, they think that um, we choose to wake up sick every day. We choose to rob our mom. Um 
you know, we choose to go out and panhandle or end up homeless. They think that's all choices. Um, you know, I know from, from my own experience, and I'm sure, uh, you know, you and Bob will know from yours as well. Um, you know, yeah, I might have cho- chosen initially to, you know, pick up uh, that first drink or drug. But after that, you know, what happened was no longer a choice. You know what I mean? Um, it just kind of became a way of life. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning. And I don't, I don't think people, you know, um, that's why it's called an unintentional overdose. Um, you know what I mean? And I just, uh, I feel like uh, people are really cruel towards that. What's, what's your feeling on that, Alex? It all depends, man. You know, really, it's it's. Um, I think it all depends to the people you're in. You know, and like unfortunately, where we are in South Florida, there's a lot of people that are victims kind of of the environment and of all the people that come and don't want to turn their lives around and you know just kind of go through South Florida shuffle and do that. There are people that like the good facilities and the you know people that are out there trying to help and are making a change and ruined for sure and I went through some of that but it, I mean it's it's lack of understanding and, and lack of knowledge and, and why this matters and you know how it is not a choice you know people sometimes have a problem with our name and they'll say oh that you know that name or whatever or that word and our um, answer back to that yeah heroin is a bad word because I, I really don't know too many people that have ever died from fuck you know so uh <laughs> You know, it, it kind of speaks volumes. But if you had just, you know, a couple words of inspiration for anyone that's out there listening or a family member of someone that's trying to get help for their loved one, what would that be? Educate yourself. The more information, the better. You know, and, and that, that's really what saved my life. Um, my family getting educated on what's going on and how they can help. And realize that them helping me was worse than them not helping me. And uh, they me out of the situation when they shouldn't. And, you know, that enabling almost killed me. And, um, you know, that, that I had to educate myself about what I was actually doing to myself. You know, and that, that there was a solution. You know, to me, I was always like, if I don't learn that the solution that I want to get. Yeah. You there, Alex? Yeah. Here. Lost. Okay. okay. Sound like you cut out. Well, look, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. We'd love to have you come back again. You know, Alex, before before we get off the line here, man, um, I just wanted to uh, join you. I know uh, Bobble, uh, Joe Nestor, a few other, a few, a lot of, actually a lot of other people I know have been doing this. Um, right now, because of all the people that are sharing uh, crude images of uh, people overdosing on the Internet, a couple days ago I started a thing called the uh, the Hope Dealer Challenge. And um, if you got a little bit of time, I know you're on Facebook, man. I see you on there. Um, and everybody out there, too, uh, that's either in recovery or just wants to give some hope to people in recovery, um, I just ask that you use the hashtag Hope Dealer Challenge, all in capital letters, and uh, copy and paste what's underneath that challenge, man, and uh, tag some people. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, there's so much negativity um, on social media these days that I'm actually trying to... Um, create some type of positivity and show that there's a message of hope out there. So, um, you know, if you get a chance tonight, Alex, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm challenging you right now to do the Hope Dealer Challenge, okay? Absolutely, man. I love that. I'd definitely take you up on it. And you got to do one more thing for us before you hang up. Okay. Tell me what it is. I need you to say fuck heroin. Fuck heroin. 
<laughs> My man. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you All real right, guys, soon. Thank, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. All right. Thanks again, Alex. Okay. No problem. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. Um, stay tuned. Baba will be back joining us for the remainder of the show. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. tuned into Shattering the Stigma with Frankie and Mama Dukes. Reach out to us on the show today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also drop us a line at leisha1120 at gmail.com. That's L-E-S-H-A-1120 at gmail.com. Now, back to Shattering the Stigma. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Shattering the Stigma with Mama Dukes and Frankie from uh, Fuck Heroin Foundation. Welcome back, guys. And uh, we just got off. We just got off the line with Alex with Bright Futures in Boynton Beach, Florida. And um, you know, as promised last week, my mom and I went into a little bit about our story. So uh, now we're gonna pick up uh, where we left off. Um, you know, last week I talked about how I had started smoking weed. I don't know if you guys remember us talking about. Rolling the big ass Cheech and Chong joint with a piece of notebook paper and scotch tape, and uh, from that point, once I once I started smoking, you know, um, it gave me a, it gave me a little bit of a different uh, like a like a confidence and uh, a sense of being, I guess you could say, even though it was all false. Um, you know, a lot of alcoholics refer to it as liquid courage, and um, from there, you know, I started pretty much smoking every day. Um, Life got life got pretty crazy. I didn't smoke weed like normal people smoke weed. Um, you know, uh, started doing other substances like you know acid, yada yada yada. I don't want to talk about a whole bunch about my drug use because that's not what, what's important. Um, what I will say is where that where that ended up with me was um, I ended up being homeless by the time I was uh, about fifteen or sixteen years old. 
Um, it was by choice, I guess you could say. I went on Grateful Dead tour. Uh, started, you know, started doing a lot of harder drugs, uh, smoking crack, shooting heroin, uh, oxycotton, and it, it really progressed. And um, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever think that I would be a, a prisoner or a convicted felon or anything like that. But um, that's where that's where opiates took me in my life. Um, I remember when I was about 21 years old, I actually called my mom. I was in Southern Ohio. And, um, you know, I called her at like two in the morning. She lived about four hours away and I, I needed help because I was dope sick and I didn't want to continue living like that. And at the time, hospitals weren't equipped, you know, and didn't really know what to do. Uh, it wasn't an epidemic like it is today. Uh, but I called my mom and I said, look, I need help. I'm strung out on heroin and I don't know what to do. And um, at that point, you know, my mom came and picked me up from a hospital and uh, I'd like to say that's where my uh, journey, at least into wanting to getting to wanting to recover, wanting to get better. I'd like to say that's where uh, where that began, um, even though I wasn't quite ready yet. I think that's where I got my first little spark of hope. I don't know. What do you say, Ma? I don't know. You know, I, I want to say that, you know, to the parents and the loved ones of addicts out there, the the scariest part to me was and, and the first things that entered my mind when I found this out. Um, from him was did you ever do it in front of me how didn't I know how couldn't I see what was going on um and and the first thing that you think is right away you're a failure how could I have not known my son was doing this how didn't I see the signs and you know he he let me know he was never doing it around me which is why I didn't see those signs in the beginning um and then you know over time I was one of those moms that is very nosy and um, couldn't stay out of his business. I was on the phone. I was oh, in the man. trap houses. I was. He would say, Mom, I could be in China getting ready to shoot up, and your head would poke under the bathroom stall and say, what the fuck are you doing? I would track him down anywhere thinking that that was going to save him. Um, I had a lot of dope boys scared. They wouldn't come down our street. They said... Your mom might be 5'3", but she's nuts. I'm not coming near you. Um, but the reality is, you know, we can remove every obstacle around them, and that disease is still there. It's not who they're around, who they can find. You can parachute them to a deserted island, and within minutes they're going to find a way to get what they want. That's part of that disease. The best thing you can do is educate yourself. If your gut's telling you something's not right, it's not. Don't be afraid to go through their phone. Don't be afraid to go through their drawers. Sorry, guys. I got to say like it is. Um, and most of all, if your gut's telling you something, you're probably 100% right. I'm always here as a parent. I'm also an interventionist. Um, you know, I've got the street smarts as well as the book smarts as well as living the hell of a son for 17 well, years. I want to get into that a little bit real quick, Mom. Um, you know, when I made that phone call that night, I, I, we went to about nine hospitals across the state of Ohio, and they said that I could just go home and uh, detox myself and that I didn't need medical treatment and everything. And um, like I said, at that time, they weren't really equipped to deal with heroin addiction like they are today. Um, and at that time, uh, you know, uh, Mom, you were working at a Mercedes dealership managing it, and... Um, Making uh, making some really good money and pretty comfortable in life, and uh, you walked away from that. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, my son is my only son. He's my best friend. I had him young. Um, you know, it's hard for me. I, I can't imagine 
him not being in my life. Um, there were so many times when I was so down and out and didn't know what to do with him that I literally had planned funeral music and everything else because I, I felt it was inevitable. Um, but the one thing I know that I didn't hesitate on, walking away from a job over 200000 a year, driving whatever I wanted and living very comfortable, wasn't going to mean anything in the world to me if I didn't have my son and best friend along. And so, you know, I walked away. I went back to school and, and got a new career. But even though, like I said, the book smarts were there, I really learned most from watching what my son was doing and what he was going through. Um, my number, my personal number is 419-870-7575. If you're a parent or a loved one of an addict out there struggling and just need someone to talk to, somebody to help clear your head, you're not sure if what you're doing is enabling, please, please feel free to reach out to me. Right on, Mom. Um, also, uh, you know, like I said, you know, um, you know, we're going to share a little bit of our story every week. I'd like to say that, you know, my mom quitting her job and getting into the field and uh, me going to try to detox that first time, um, it, you know, that was the end. And I went and got better and went to a places like that uh, Passages Malibu and got cured. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, I know that uh, I suffer from a disease that there is no known cure. Um, there's no magic pill that's going to cure me of my disease. If there was, I'd probably try to sniff or shoot it. And that's just being real. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, like I said, you know, that's not quite where my story of active addiction ends. Um, we'll pick up a little bit more on that next week. Um, you know, a little, uh, a little bit about the Facebook page I want to talk about, you know, we are fuck heroin foundation. If the word fuck offends you, I'm sorry. Call your sponsor. Um, we're not out. We're not out to uh, you know to suit uh, suit sensitive people's needs in that aspect. We're out to try to save some lives and make a difference in this uh, epidemic and fight back. Um, you know, I know this week uh, we hit about three million views, and those continue to go uh, continue to go up. Um, you know, we're trying to erase the shame and stigma of addiction. And uh, mom, uh, why don't you tell them a little about what's going on with the page this week? Well, actually, we reached 3.8 million, so that's pretty exciting. Um, we've surpassed 76,000 likes. Um, we're out there strong. We're reaching people across the whole United States. We're always available, 419-971-KICK. Um, we do have merchandise. We do have stickers, literature, all kinds of things to help. Um, Check our page out, like our page, help us continue to grow so we can help others. Check, um, check us out on Instagram too at Fuck Heroin Foundation. Um, that's a fairly a fairly new uh, fairly new Instagram page. Uh, it's been up about six months. Uh, we just broke seven thousand followers, and uh, my uh, my fiance actually does that. Man, she's doing an amazing job. So if uh, you guys got some time, check out the Instagram page too, Fuck Heroin Foundation. And uh, speaking of social media, um, we still got Bobble in here with us. What's good, Bobble? What to do? So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, recovering artists worldwide. You know, you got your EP out, uh, Live Free or OD. I love the name, too. Um, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, man. Um, such kind of crazy. I, when, when the label was, again, founded and the idea, 
I instantly knew what I wanted to do, at least for an image for the cover. Because, in my opinion, when you're in active addiction, I mean, you have two choices. It's you can keep using and, well, hopefully you don't die. But usually, the case, especially nowadays, is you're going to pass a lot. Or you could choose to live free and, you know what I mean, get help and, and recover. And um, for anyone who's seen my EP color, EP cover, um, I have a half-dead face, and then I have um, my real face on the other side, symbolizing, you know, addiction compared, like showing the light, the difference, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times, that's actually, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you look like a zombie when you're using, and I don't, I didn't realize it until I got clean, I saw a picture <laughs> of myself, and... Yeah, it's crazy, we think we look good when we're out there oh, doing yeah. the thing, don't you, man? I, I, I was 100 pounds lighter when I got clean this time, <laughs> I'm like this, I'm like, yeah, boy, and then, like, you notice, like, the gray skin tone, yeah. like, yeah. look in your eyes, and I had a beard that looked like Joe's, except, like, not, like, smooth, <laughs> so, so it's like, scraggly. oh, good, but, um... I mean, it's just really simple, man. I, I, I tried to do, like, a statement with it. Like, you can choose. Throw you know? out, again, where they can listen to or purchase or tell them about the mixtape you got coming. Yeah, so you, if you want to listen for free, and I'm not against anyone listening for free, you can go to Spotify and type in Bobble, like a bobblehead, Live Free or OD, EP. Um, you can go to YouTube, actually through our distribution that's on YouTube, too. Um if you want to support and buy it, you can go to Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, any major digital store, and you can purchase it as well. Um, and then, real quick, because I know we don't have much time, um, Raw as a whole, it's not just my mixtape, um, all three of us, me, Joe Nestor, and Jenna Nicole, are dropping a mixtape for free to give back to the fan for so strongly supporting us from the beginning of this. And, you know, it's our way of saying thank you to you guys. And um, it's going to be a different type of music. Looking Join forward to that, Join us next man. week, Looking man. We love you all. Next week, James Matthews. Stephanie will be on the show with us talking about couples in recovery. Fuck heroin's very own. And uh, make sure you guys do the Hope Dealer Challenge. Hashtag capital letters Hope Dealer Challenge. Spread some positivity through social media and uh, put an end to all this bullshit all the shame and stigma and uh again if nobody told you they love you today man we, we love you fucking guys. love you fuck heroin fuck heroin shatter the stigma good night y'all thank you for being part of the show today be sure to listen next tuesday at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time for another edition of shattering the stigma on the voice america health and wellness channel you're not in this fight alone. We're here to help.